Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Over with me to 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Hallelujah. I pray this word gets in you this morning. I pray that this word lights a fire under your booty this morning. Get you moving. Get you doing something. Get you thinking in a different direction. Hallelujah. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Loss or reward. Loss or reward. You know, I was preaching a few weeks back, and it kind of popped out of my spirit, but I started to talk about the believer's judgment. I I was just preaching, and I don't even know where it came from. It was just the Holy Ghost, and I started to preach and speak on the fact that believers, you know, necessarily, when we believe, we're not going to be judged according to our sin because our sin is already dealt with. Our sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. We've received righteousness as a gift. I mean, you don't understand that. By the blood of Jesus, we are made just as righteous as Jesus is. Isn't that amazing to think about? That God sees us like he sees Jesus. We are literally that righteous. We're that holy. We're that pure. It's a free gift. It can't be earned. It's by faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made with his blood. But what is that? What does that mean for us? Does that mean that we can just do whatever we would like and it doesn't matter? No, believers aren't going to be judged according to their sin because their sin is dealt with, but we will give an account for what we've done on this earth. What did we do with, the, with what the Lord gave us? What did we do? Did we fulfill our calling? Did we fulfill our purpose? How did we handle what the Lord brought to us? And so... It just kind of jumped out of my spirit, and I happened to be reading this week. I was reading in 1 Corinthians just in my study time, personal stuff, and I came across this. And it's just, you know, it's been heavy in my spirit, so I want to talk about this this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you're there, can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. No one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. So first off, as I read the scripture, we'll just, you know, the things that jump out, we can talk about these things. But what Paul was saying, there is no other foundation. The church has to be built on Jesus Christ. Amen. Christianity has to be built on Jesus Christ. Not the smoke machines, not the lights, not what's, you know, you just don't want to do life alone. No, nothing like that. Jesus Christ. Jesus, what he did, what he came to the earth to do, that he went to the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again from the grave. We have to be built on Jesus Christ. Are y'all with me? 
you know, there was two main things that the writer of Hebrews spoke about. He said, let us move on. I've been talking about this with the youth. Let us move on from the elementary principles to the more mature things. Let us get away from repentance of evil deeds and placing your faith in God. That's what Christianity has to be built on. Can you say repentance? Can you say faith? What is repentance? There has to be a moment where you see what Je- you see Jesus. You see what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for us, and everything in your life changes where you forsake everything else to follow Jesus. This was basic Christianity. I want you guys to hear this. We think that we take things so serious today, right? Like we're, you know... John, sometimes you can just be radical. You take things a little bit too far. I want you to understand this. In Jesus' days, when Jesus walked on this earth, there was one requirement to following him and being his disciple. Do you know what that requirement was? It was not, how much do you know about the Bible? It was not, can you, you, know, can you quote the entire, the entire Old Testament? Are you a good preacher? Are you a good teacher? It wasn't how good you've been. Well, have you been good enough? Oh, you know, that lady, she slept with three men she's not married to. Nope, you can't follow me. None of that. There was one requirement, and that was they had to literally, literally physically sell everything that they had to come and follow him. There was people that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we want to follow you. The rich young ruler, Mark 10, what did Jesus say? Go sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, then come follow me. The guy said, I I can't do that. And then what did Jesus say? Then you can't, I'm not being mean, I'm not being harsh, but you can't follow me because this is the basic, this is the ground level of Christianity. You have to forsake every other thing and leave everything to follow me. Guys, I'm telling you, the church needs to hear this because so many people just want to incorporate Jesus into our lives. Like we're Jesus incorporated. We're just Christians. We'll maybe come somewhere on Sunday, but we still live our lives. We still think the same way. We still do the same things. But now we're a part of this little social group that meets on Sunday mornings. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity, the starting point of it is I have forsaken everything else. Nothing else matters. My career doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. This little plan to just, you know, we want to store up a good retirement. I mean, everything the world tells you, you forsake it all for the sake of following Jesus Christ. None of it matters. I don't live my life trying to build a career. I live my life. I've changed the way that I've thought. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me. That's like a mature thought in Christianity, which is absurd because that was the ground level Christianity is supposed to be built on. What if we actually told people they came, oh, you know, crying with tears in their eyes, look, I love you. But this isn't going to work for you right now. Why? Because they're not, I'm, not willing to, I'm not willing to let these things go. I'm not willing to let go of me. I'm not willing to let go of my sin. I'm not letting to let go of these other desires in the world that have my heart, that have my mind, that have my attention. You're not, you're not, it's not because God doesn't love you, but you're not fit for the kingdom. 
Because the kingdom is everything or it's nothing. Are y'all with me? Following Jesus, I want you to hear this, is everything or it's nothing. There is no, there is no lukewarm. What did Jesus say? I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're somewhere that's just kind of in the middle, I just want to find the middle ground. I don't want to be too radical, but, uh, you know, I know I'm not supposed to do those things. I just kind of want to stay right here. He says, I'll vomit you out of your mouth because that's not even Christianity. There's only one way. I want to tell you, there's one way. That God created this life. He created this earth. There's only one way to do this. Nothing else matters. Are you all with me this morning? So, Paul laid this foundation. That's, that was the foundation of Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials. He says gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. <clears throat> but on judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. When you think about fire, this isn't talking about the fire of hell. Fire, there's a holy fire. When God appeared to Moses in the form of a what? Burning bush. It was holy. He told, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Jesus said, I'll baptize you with fire and with the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, it says, tongues of flames of fire came and settled upon each of them. So my point is, when we stand before God, it's not talking about him throwing us, believers, into hell. No, his presence is like a fire. His presence is consuming. His presence is holy. It's pure. I want to tell you, I saw, I, I saw Jesus. This has just been coming up. One of the defining moments in my life is when I saw Jesus. He walked into the room. I didn't see him with my physical eyes, and this doesn't make sense. But I had just got out of Bible college, and, you know, I was kind of on the fence. I was, like, back at home, and, you know, should I go and maybe start some other business on the side? What am I really supposed to do? I wasn't sure. Lord, am I called to be a pastor? Am I called to be, you know, we get so caught up in stupid things. Am I an evangelist? Because if I'm an evangelist, this is what they do. If I'm a pastor, this is what they do. If I'm an apostle or prophet, I'm a servant of the Lord. I just do what he tells me to do. Amen. That's why, that's why I'm here. I just simply told the Lord, I'll, and I'll tell you the story. So it's really funny. The Lord had brought me. I was just praying, and I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to do? Speak to me. I knew there was more, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what direction to go in. I didn't know which path to take. And so it was funny, I was actually watching that movie. Has anybody ever seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge? You know, you wouldn't think, right? The Lord spoke to me during this movie. And it doesn't happen often. I'm not one of those people that every time I watch, you know, a movie. I, it, it, but it was so clear. In the movie Hacksaw Ridge, there's this moment where he's on the battlefield and everybody's just been obliterated. Shot up, blown to smithereens. And, and, you know, he really trusted God. The movie's about a man. He was a Christian. He refused to take a, 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 a gun into World War II uh, into the battlefield. He's, he was a medic. He said, the Lord put me here to save lives, not to take it. So he goes onto the battlefield. I mean, he just goes in faith. He sticks with it. He perseveres. And now he's standing on the battlefield, and his whole 
all of his troop is just blown up, and the other ones had retreated down the wall. And he stands there, and he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? And then he hears a cry from the distance that says, help me, help me. And then he looks up and says, okay, Lord. And he goes and starts saving these people. And he just keeps praying the whole time, one more, Lord, one more, Lord, one more, Lord. But the Lord spoke to me. And he said, look, you know, this man didn't hear an audible voice. There was an opportunity that presented himself, and he recognized the opportunity as my voice. So the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to lead you through a series of open doors in this next season of your life. I'm going to have opportunities that open up to you. You, you just go through those doors, and I'm going to lead you exactly where I'm taking you. I'm going to direct you. So literally that week, I had like four invitations come in for me to preach. I had schools calling me saying, hey, you know, we, uh, we got our, our uh, what do they call it here? They have, what's the alternative school? Pride. Like Pride in Huntington, we had that kind of school called New Hope in, in Lovington, New Mexico. So they had called me. They said, hey, we want you to start coming in and preaching to these kids. I had another little Christian group call me, ask me to preach. Uh, my sister was releasing a worship album. She called me that week and says, hey, at this album release party, we want you to come and give this message. So the Lord began to open all these doors, and I began to just simply walk through the doors that he opened. So long story short, I, w I went to this event where I was preaching, and I want to tell you, you know, I don't by any means think I'm just some amazing, phenomenal preacher now, but I was like 19, 20 years old, five years ago. I mean, I was green, 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 big time, very new, very just like it, it, really trying to figure things out. So my sister had asked me, she said, hey, we're, we're releasing this worship album. It's being produced by these producers that are from Jesus culture, and they've been a part of the Bethel team. We want you to come, and we want you to preach. You know, in my mind, I start thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just like this 20-year-old. These dudes have, they've been a part of Bethel. They've been a part of Jesus culture. They've, been a, they've traveled the world. You know, who the heck am I? And I started kind of getting in this fear and being timid. But I said, okay, the Lord told me, go through the door that I opened. So I went. And as I went that night, I'm telling you guys, I prepared my message. I wrote it out. They said, you have 15 minutes. And I'm telling you, I got it down. I had exactly what I was going to say. It all knocked down to a T. I mean, I could have quoted it frontwards and backwards, which I don't even encourage that, really, for the way to preach. Just follow the anointing. But, I mean, this is just where I was. And so I'm telling you. I go in that room that night, and they start worship. And, and let me tell you, Jesus walked into the room. I couldn't see him with my physical eyes, but I could, like, see him in my spirit. I know that doesn't make sense, but you have to understand, a man's not just a physical body. The Bible says you have a body, but you are a spirit. And you have a soul. I could see him in my spirit. He was probably for me to that white door. He walked in. And I want to tell you, when he walked in, I just began to tremble. I began to literally tremble. He began to walk closer and closer, just walking to me, just like this. And the closer that he got, his, it just got intense. And I fell down to my knees. I couldn't even stand up. And literally, he began to approach me closer and closer and closer. And I felt... I felt like everything on the inside of me was being exposed. 
Literally, I felt all of this darkness, all of this wickedness, all of these things. It just, I literally thought to myself, I'm going to die. And, I, and people are like, what does he look like? I don't know. I couldn't see a face. It was in the spirit. It really just doesn't make sense. And I'm not one that gets up here and says, this stuff happens to me every other day. No, this was like a notable moment in my life. He, Jesus walked up to me. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I literally can't be in this presence. He got closer and closer and closer until finally he stopped right in front of me. I was on the ground. I was weeping. I was feeling probably every emotion that you could feel multiplied by a, a million, just undone. Felt like I was being ripped apart. And then just because of the holiness, when I say fire, God's presence is holy. It's pure. This is the fire that it's talking about. We stand before the Lord. Everything that's not of God will be burnt away. And I felt that. I felt that pull on my life. And Jesus reached down and he touched me. And when he touched me on the shoulder, everything lifted. Everything lifted off of me and I stood to my feet. And then I remember hearing a voice in my spirit that spoke to me. And, and it basically, it was along the lines of, there's a message that I need preached. There's something that I need taken to the world. And I heard this question, who will go? Who will do this work? And I, I had never even read. This is how green I was. I had never even read the book of Isaiah at this point yet. And I said, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Send me. And Jesus reached out and he touched my mouth. And if you read in Isaiah 6, 8, that's almost the identical account that happened to the prophet Isaiah. I, and I remember reading it a few weeks later and my jaw about hit the floor when I read that. I said, oh my gosh. I mean, that is what happened. It was crazy. That was a defining moment in my life. Amen. When you see Jesus, let me tell you, when you see Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes when you see Jesus. Nothing can be the same. His presence is holy. It's pure. Are y'all still with me? A little detour for a moment. Hopefully that's okay with you. So it says, but on judgment day, fire, that's the presence of God will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Think about even the book of Revelation. The Bible says his eyes are like flames of fire. Holy, holy, pure. Hallelujah. On judgment day, fire will, will reveal, reveal what kind of work. Can you say work? Each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work, can you say work, has any value. We're going to stand before Jesus, and we're not, we're not going to be judged according to our sin. The Bible says our sin is dealt with. We're going to be held accountable to the work that we have done on this earth. I know Christians say amen, but I'm telling you, let's not be like the Pharisees who came to John the Baptist and said, hey, John, we're coming to be baptized. And he said, you're a brood of vipers. Don't just say you repent. Show that you've repented by the way that you live. I wish Christians would live like we really believe we're going to stand before Jesus who is real, who is more real than anything on this earth, and we are going to be held accountable to the work that we've done. The work that we've done on this earth. 
If you get that, it will get complacency out of you. It'll get just taking it easy, taking my time, chilling. It'll get that devil spirit out of you, away from you, and you'll get moving. Amen. You know, I have friends I went to Bible school with. I love them to death. But here we are five years later, not quite, but coming up on it. They're still, you know, they're still not in ministry. They're still just like, oh, I'm just serving the Lord, you know. And, I, and, and, and they like look, and they're like, John, you know, you're so young. And look what the Lord has done. He's opened up all these doors. He's done all these things for you. He's given you things that really doesn't make sense. That sometimes takes people 15 years to, to get that kind of opportunity. And I tell you, it's not because I'm favorite. The Bible says God shows no favoritism. I want to tell you what God likes. He likes faith. He likes people that move. He likes people that really believe that we're on this earth for a limited amount of time and there's not a moment to waste. There's not time to give away. There's not time to throw to the wayside. Nothing else, I want you to hear me, nothing else is going to matter when we stand before Jesus other than the thanks that he's called us to do. I'm going to get, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Fire will reveal what kind of work. Say work again. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Can you say reward? But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Why will he be saved? He was a believer. He'll be saved. He'll get to go to heaven. But it says, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Can I tell you, not everybody in heaven gets a reward. Isn't that crazy to think about? The only people that get a reward are the ones that when they stand in that holy fire, the holy presence of Jesus Christ, and everything is burned away. The only ones that get a reward are the ones who have anything left remaining. Not everyone gets a reward. Does that make sense now why Paul said, I run like I'm running to win a race? He said, Olympians, athletes will discipline their body. They'll get up and run. They'll get up and jog. They'll eat, you know, clean, no carbs for, for five years and compete in the, Olympics. He's in, in, in the Olympics. He says, I discipline my flesh so that I can receive the reward. Can you say the reward? Paul understood not everybody gets a reward. Paul wasn't taking it easy. He said, I'm living for a, a heavenly reward. I want you to think about eternity. Francis Chan does one of the best illustrations I've ever seen in my life of this. He has this, this rope that's like 100 foot long. And on this rope, he took a little paint and he painted this little section that's about this big. And he said, this is your life. This is where you were born, right here. You know, this is where you got married. This is where you did. This is where you died. He said, "This is your life. This is eternity." He starts pulling the rope. Million years, two million years, five hundred million years, a billion years. This is eternity. What you do in this determines how you spend this. There's a reward. Believers need to get a fire in their belly and a fire under their backsides and get moving. Are you with me? God's not waiting. 
You know why the Bible says faith is now the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith isn't one day when the grass gets greener, when the opportunity gets better, whenever things just peaches and cream for me. No, faith is today. God is moving now. God has something he wants you to be a part of now. God has something he wants you to do now. And we have to live like we really believe. We're only here for one reason. I told our students, I'm not like an average American, 2021. Things have changed. You look at the education system, you know, over the last 100, 150 years. I'm not just like one that just rolls with the times. I told our students, I said, I believe, you know what, I'm not telling you to be arrogant. You need to be wise. But I said, you're sent to your school to teach more than you are to learn. Hallelujah, because this is what they're doing. They're starting Bible studies. They're winning the lost. They're making disciples. They're bringing people to Christ. They're praying for people. It's amazing what they're doing. My point is, can you say one purpose? I think that a lot of people are going to stand before God and realize, what did we waste our stinking lives doing? What did we think was so important? Wasted. We get one shot at life. One shot. It's not a video game. You don't die and get regenerated and you get another health bar, another life, another chance. We get one shot to do this. Are you with me? And what God has done for me, even if it seems small, he'll do for you. He'll do it for you. He'll open doors for you. He'll make a way for you if you'll believe him. Stop being doubting. Don't be unbelieving. God hates unbelief. I was just reading the birth of John the Baptist, his father Zechariah. An angel of the Lord literally appeared to him and told him, You're gonna get this is you're gonna get to have a son, tells him this amazing thing. And then Zechariah says, How? I'm old. My wife is old. And it says the Lord shut his mouth until the baby was born. God doesn't like unbelief. God didn't want Zechariah going around speaking to Elizabeth. You know, I really just don't know how that's going to happen. You know, I don't know how the Lord's going to do that. We're really old and it just doesn't make sense. The Lord shut his mouth because there was a work that needed to be done. And he couldn't be going around blabbing a bunch of unbelieving things. The Lord hates unbelief. And the angel spoke. The same in Luke chapter 1, the angel spoke, came to Mary, told Mary, you're going to conceive a child. She says, but I've, I've never known a man. I'm a virgin. And then he goes on to say, nothing is impossible with God. That's the type of people God will use. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how late you feel like you've started in life. For me, it doesn't matter how early. I don't have to wait till I'm 30 years old. I'm telling you, if I would have done it the world's way, I wouldn't be a pastor right now. You know why? Because they say you're 20, you know, 24, 24 years old when we, when we were doing this. Lead pastoring. Nobody's going to listen to you. Maybe you're right. Nothing's impossible for God. God's not waiting. God's not hanging around with people that are waiting. God's hanging around with people that are moving. Are you with me? Are you all still Okay. Work. Can you say work? So I want to make this point. 
And what we just read, it says the fire will reveal what kind of work. The fire will show if a person's work, if the work survives. But if the work is burned up, if work is used four times, can you say at work? I want you to get this. Any doctrine that tells you it doesn't matter what you do on this earth is heretical. It's a heretic that's preaching it, and it's a lie. It matters what you do. There's believers still that, well, by the grace of Jesus Christ, you know, once you're saved, you never even have to repent again. Once you're saved, you're just saved for, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You can't earn your salvation. I want you to get this. There's only one way you receive salvation. It's by faith. You can't earn it. If you could earn it, then Jesus came for absolutely no reason. You can't earn it. But what you do after salvation matters. What do I do with the pearl, with the treasure, with the gift that the Lord has placed on the inside of me? Now that I've received this gospel, now freely as I receive, freely I give. What do I do even with the message of Jesus Christ that has been given to me? What do I do with it? It matters. Can you say work? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, I want to skip through my notes a little bit. I think that you guys are with me. I was going to prove some things. I don't think I need to prove it. You guys are with me. That's a, that's a, a heretical mindset that it just doesn't matter. what A heretic says something like that. It doesn't matter what you do. After, after you're saved. God just, it's all under the blood. It doesn't matter. No, but I want to say this. Even after you're saved, and if you sin, there's forgiveness for you. But that's not a pattern that we follow. In fact, 1 John chapter 5 says God's children don't make a practice of sinning. Romans chapter 6 tells us that sin's power has been broken in our lives. Jesus didn't just forgive us of sin. If you're a Christian that holds on to that mindset, well, we're all just going to sin, right? Nobody's perfect. You are going to struggle the rest of your life. I understand sometimes we fall short, but we don't fall short because we have to. We fall short because we want to. We fall short because there's flesh that has been left unchecked in our life that we now have to crucify. We have to repent. We have to get that thing under the blood of Jesus. We have to nail that thing back to the cross when Jesus was nailed. We have to crucify it. We have to die to ourselves. Are you with me? Don't ever listen to somebody. That's why I'm telling you, I got kicked out of teaching 12-step programs and stuff. AA tells you, oh, I'm, you know, I'm an addict. No, you're not an addict. When you got born again, you're not. You're, that stronghold was broken in your life, and you're a new creation in Christ who no longer, who no longer is obligated to do anything that sin demands. I'm not a slave to sin, the Bible says. My flesh has been crucified with Christ. Now I can walk according to the Spirit. Live above it. Are you with me? So we're going to give an account to God. Work. Use four times. The work that we do. So write this down for point number one. Let's just establish this. 
we will give an account to God. If you're writing notes, write that down for number one. We will give an account to God. Second Corinthians 5.10, Paul said it not just in one place, multiple places. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Are y'all with me? What you do matters. Do you see this? What I do matters. Not only what I do matters, what I don't do matters. Not everybody receives the reward. Romans 14:10. Why do you condemn another believer? Why don't you look down? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You read Romans 14. You know, I want to say this. This isn't just like, well, let believers live however the heck they want. There's a biblical standard. You know, I was reading through 1 Corinthians 5 last night. It blew me away. I've read it a hundred times. But it blew me away because, look, the Corinthian church, Paul said, you guys have the gift of prophecy. You guys have these amazing preachers and teachers. You have all of the spiritual gifts. That's amazing. But you should be mourning because there is somebody that belongs to your congregation who's living in sexual immorality. How, much, how often we just let that kind of crap fly? In Christianity, you just come in. It doesn't matter. You know, we're afraid to say anything. God's church has to be kept holy and pure. He, Paul said it to the Corinthians. He says, you must remove this person from among you because if you don't, it will go and it will spoil the entire batch of dough. Read through the whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 5. Are you all with me? So what he was saying in Romans 14, he's not talking about it doesn't matter, right? If, well, if you believe you can just live with a person you're not married to, well, we'll all stand before the Lord. Yeah, that's true. But there still is discipline in the church. I want to tell you, there's not a lot of churches that do church discipline. But I want to say this one thing. This is something we're growing in and we implement here. Just don't let wolves come in here and do what they want to do. Amen. There's a biblical order. I'm not going to grieve the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you, we have kids. I love kids, and, and I love them to death. They come in here, though. I mean, sometimes they're just, and it's not out of anger. It's not out of religion. It's like even, even the way we conduct ourselves during this time can grieve the Holy Ghost. Let's have some honor and respect for the Lord. Amen. Y'all with me? So there's a biblical order, but what Paul was talking about was there were some Jews and Gentiles, they were feuding. And he says, look, some of the Jews say, you know, we're not supposed to eat pork. Some of the Gentiles say, I don't know what you're talking about. We've never done that. It doesn't matter. Some of the Jews are saying we should be meeting on Saturday because that's the Sabbath day. The Gentiles are saying, what are you talking about? We've never known anything like that. So what Paul says is, don't be looking down on people for doing things that aren't specified in the Scripture. But understand this, we will, everything that you do, you better do it, and you better be genuine about it. You're telling me, oh, the Lord told me to do this thing? Okay, great, but understand this. We're all going to stand before the Lord and be judged. That's what Paul's telling them. Y'all with me? 
Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people. What? According to what they believe? According to their deeds. This is how it's all interwoven together. You're not saved by your deeds, but I want to tell you something. The Bible teaches what you do is the true reflection of what you believe. Well, we're saved by faith, but yet how are we going to be judged according to our deeds? Because what you believe will determine what you do. If you say one thing, but yet you live a different way, you don't believe what you say you believe. Because ultimately what you do... Regardless of how much you want to cry about it, you, don't, you want to deny it, what you do proves what you truly believe. That's what the Bible says. Are you with me? Jesus said in Matthew 17, 17 through 20, a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good, tree, good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. What you believe will determine what you do. That's why we're going to be judged based off of what we do because that's actually the indicator of what we really believe. So don't tell, oh, I believe Jesus is Lord. <laughs> I believe that. And then I show up to church on Easter and Christmas. You don't believe it. I love you. I want you to get saved. I'm not condemning you. Man, I will give you the shirt off of my back, but you don't believe the thing that you say you believe because your actions prove what you truly believe. Are y'all with me? Amen. All right. So we're talking about we'll, we'll be judged. The believers will be judged by the work that we do. Let's break that down. What does that mean? The work that we do. We will be held accountable to what? Write this down for number two. The Lord is going to hold us accountable to this. Did I fulfill my purpose in this life? But Lord, I went to church three times a month. But, Lord, you know, I, I listened to Caleb when I drove to Walmart. Did you fulfill your purpose in this life? Great. Great that you did those other things. Wonderful. But did you fulfill your purpose in this life? Did I accomplish what the Lord put me on this earth to accomplish? Did I do it? Because I want to tell you, this is God's will. I want you to think about this. Here's a circle. This is God's will. Everything in this circle is God's will for you. It's his purpose for you. It's the reason that you're on this earth. Anything that's not inside that circle is the thing that's going to be burned away when we stand in front of his presence. What am I trying to say? There's going to be, I, I have a fear, and this is a healthy fear. Well, you know, fear, when the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about respect. No, I actually have a fear. 
I don't want to stand before God and build my whole life, spend my whole life doing this thing, and then it all get burnt away because it was never in align with God's will. I did not fulfill my purpose on this earth. I didn't do what the Lord told me to do. I wasted all this time doing all these other things, chasing after all these other dreams, and everything gets burnt away, and I receive no reward, and I enter into heaven but like someone barely escaping through the flames of fire. I want to tell you right now, if you're a Christian, because some Christians will hear that and say, well, at least I get to go to heaven. If that's your mindset, I doubt you're even saved. Seriously. Truly, if, that's your, if this is a bare minimal mindset, you, I'm not telling you you're not saved. I'm not the Lord. I'm just telling you, that's scary. That's a slippery slope to be on. Well, you know, I may do nothing for the Lord, but at least I'll get into heaven like someone barely escaping the flames of hell. You should not be okay with that. You with me? You were called. Let me ask you this. Did I do what God called me to do? You were called to do what the Lord tells you in life. Nothing more and nothing less. You are called to do what the Lord tells you to do in life. Nothing more and nothing less. I want to tell you because look. There'd be people that try to put things on you. The Lord never called you to do that. Only do what the Lord tells you to do. Amen. But if you're a Christian that's going to sit there and tell me, well, I didn't go to church because the Lord told me not to go to church. You're lying. He says in his word in Hebrews 10, 25, go to church. Well, no, no. You, you Listen, you're listening to a spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. It's true. God speaks in agreement with his word. Are you with me? You can ask my family. My mom called me, and I'm not single or not, but it's true. She said, man, there's just no churches where I'm at. And I believe her. I believe when America shut down, a lot of churches shut down, didn't stand for anything. You know what I said? Move. Like, you're not going to get to heaven, and God just like, oh, you know, that's okay. You spent 60 years in this place, and no fruit was produced. I said, leave. Relocate. Get around a faith church. Get around somewhere, something you can be a part of. Hallelujah. She listened. I'm telling you guys, look, it's broke, it's broke my heart. I've had people come against what we preach at our church. The good thing, like the blessing of God, that God wants people to be healed. I've had people literally come back and tell me. You know, people that are family members of other people in this church come back. And I'm not condemning them. I'm telling you, this genuinely breaks my heart and it fires me up to go harder and stronger than I've ever gone before. Because they've came back, like our doctrine about healing. God wants you healed all the time, every single time. Jesus paid for your healing. It's yours. It belongs to you every day. We can prove it biblically. We've had people it be proven to in the Bible, and they say, you know what? Okay, I see the scripture, and this really broke my heart. They said, but if that's true, how come he's the only one preaching it? Number one, I'm not. Amen. I'm not the only one that preaches it. Number two, this person has grown up in full gospel churches around here their whole life and never heard that message. It made me like, 
That didn't offend me. That made me say, Lord, people need to hear this. There's people that literally see it, but they're like, how come I've never heard that my whole life? The message has to get out. Did I fulfill my purpose in life? Did I do what the Lord called me to do? Part of the reason that people don't. Can I have you for a few more minutes? We're a smaller group today. Hopefully you don't got to run off. I want you to get this. I only got a couple more points for you. There's people, you know, they won't do what the Lord calls them to do because we have this celebrity-like mindset. Especially, maybe not you, but in my generation, I'm telling you, you know, that's kids' plans. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be YouTube famous. What does that even mean? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. YouTube famous? I want to be TikTok famous. Where's the paycheck in TikTok? I mean, maybe there is. I don't know. I'm sure somebody could tell me, that, you know, they actually make money. Who knows? My point, though, you know, we chase after the wrong things. You're only, everybody's calling is different. I want you to hear this. People talk about Apostle Paul, right? He's gonna, he has this amazing reward in heaven. He does because he fulfilled his calling, but your calling may not be Apostle Paul's calling. You're going to receive a reward according to what you were called to do. There's going to be mothers who stand in heaven and have an equal reward as Apostle Paul. They never went to Asia. They never preached the gospel in Turkey, but God never told them to do that. God said, I want you to raise up these two children in the ways of the Lord. Train them up in the ways that they should go. They raise up a son. They raise up a daughter who loves the Lord, who goes and wins multitudes to Christ. I'm telling she fulfilled her call. You are called to do what the Lord has Commission you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. Don't ever think you're insignificant because it looks different than somebody else's. It matters. Everything matters in the kingdom. And so, let me show you the scripture. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Paul warned Timothy, said, A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. Man, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work. Can you say work? Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Fully care. This is a fire Paul was trying to light underneath Timothy. Timothy, live this life. Fully carry it out. So if, if, if it's possible to fully carry out, then it's possible to not fully carry it out. It's possible to do a few things the Lord calls you to do, but not everything the Lord calls you to do. That's, you can miss it. Full, there needs to get a fire inside every Christian. This fire, fully carry out the thing the Lord has placed you on this earth to do. Everybody in this room has a work that has been assigned to you. You're not here by accident. You have the Holy Ghost if you're born again. You are a resource to this world. There is a job that you are called to. 
There's a place that you're called to. There's a people that you're called to. There's a community that you're called to. There's a church that you're called to. There's a place the Lord has assigned you to. Look at this. Each person has a personal responsibility to get with the Holy Ghost and figure out your assignment from the Lord. I see so many Christians wasting time. Look, I don't waste time. I don't do. I tried. I want to tell you, the Lord showed me this. I'm not telling you, like, I've just known this since I've been born. I've already learned some of these things the hard way. I don't run another business. You know why? That's not what the Lord's called me to do. He, he, he never told, I've tr- actually, I've tried multiple times, and it's never worked. His hand's never been on it. Because I get in the flesh. I start thinking, right, minute, okay, I want to provide more for my family. I, you know, good thoughts. But then I start trying to make it happen in the flesh instead of doing just what the Lord's called me to do and trusting him to bring the provision when I do what he calls me to do. Are you with me? Don't do random stuff, guys. Don't live in a random place. Well, I just moved into the house. I got a best deal on this. I moved. That's great. I moved to this town. Great. Wonderful. But you better be there because the Holy Ghost told you, gave you an assignment from the Lord. Are you all with me? Don't do random stuff. The time is short. I tell our youth kids this, and they get radical about it, y'all. I'm telling you. I'm like, don't be. Don't follow after the pattern of the world. Just waste your high school years. Be faithful while you're young, and God will reward you. You get into your 20s, man, you'll get opportunities that people wait till their 40s because you're faithful, because you utilize this time. Don't waste this time. You want to be an FFA? Great. Ask the Holy Ghost where he wants you putting your time. What he wants you putting your time into because you're here for one reason. And I'm telling you, people just live like it doesn't matter. We're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And everything that's outside of that reason, that purpose, that calling, it's going to be burned away. And it's going to be wasted time. Are you all with me? So each person has a responsibility to receive an assignment from the Lord and then dedicate your life to a singular purpose. Can you say singular? Jesus knew his purpose on the earth. In fact, even when Jesus sent out his disciples the first time into the cities, he told them, don't stop and talk to people along the way. Why? You know, be rude, be stuck up. No, you're on a mission. Don't let people come and distract. He's literally teaching them, live like one of those horses with the little things over its eyes. Live pinpoint. Live focused. Live uh, intentional. Live with a purpose. Live on purpose. You with me? Sing. Can you say singular? There is a woman that came to Jesus who was a Gentile. And Jesus literally didn't heal her at first. Why? I'm sent to the Jews. I know where I'm sent. I know who I'm sent to. I know what the Father's told me to do. And unless I get a word from him, I don't deviate from the path. I've marked the path that my feet are to walk on, and I don't get sidetracked. I am devoted to a singular purpose in life. 
If you don't have a singular purpose, you will get distracted. I want to tell you, I've used this analogy many times, but if you don't know what it looks like, you'll think everything looks like it. If I sailed across the ocean from Britain in 1492 with Columbus, and they told me, you know what, John, you're going to land in Virginia. You're going to land up there. Okay, what does it look like? It's got some trees. It's got, you know, some mountains. Really pretty. A little bit cooler. We go sailing, we go sailing, we go sailing. We land in northern California. Get off the boat. Hey, we landed in Virginia. The trees, the mountains, the cold air. This, you know, this is Virginia. No. If you don't know the destination, if you don't know the calling, you'll get distracted and everything look, you, you get confused. Are you with me? You have to know what the Lord's called you to do or you'll waste your time doing many things the Lord's never called you to do. <clears throat> Paul had a singular purpose. Paul said, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm not called to the Jews. I'm not called to Jerusalem. I know who I'm called. I know where I'm called. I know the message that I'm supposed to preach. Paul had a singular purpose in life that he gave himself to that purpose. Look what he told the Ephesians church in Ephesians 5, 16 through 17. He said this, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. You need to understand what God's called you to do and then make the most of every opportunity. Another translation says redeem the time. Can you say redeem the time? You know what that means? You get focused, you go after it with everything in you. Your mind, your heart, your soul, your everything. You go for this one thing. You redeem the time. I'm no longer wasting time. In fact, I'm spending all my time. I'm going to try to do twice as much in a year that it would have normally taken me three years to do. I am going after the thing the Lord's told me to do with everything in me. Christians don't live like that. Christians just live Loosey-goosey, floating around, whatever the way the wind blows. I'm telling you, it doesn't work. You with me? Write this down for the last point, and I'm going to pray for you. What did, so we're going to be held accountable. Did I fulfill my purpose in life? Number three, what do I do? What did I do, I should say? What did I do with what he gives me? Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I'm going to give you a couple examples. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Jesus said again, the kingdom can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. Then he left them. The servant who received five bags of silver came or began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and earned two more. The servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account. Look at this. To give an account of how they used his money. 
The servants to whom he had trusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. Now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's, settle, let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But to those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me just ask you this question. What do we, the Lord, we, there's one thing we can learn from this parable. What do we do with what the Lord gives us? What do, what do we do, think about this, what do we do with the opportunities the Lord gives us? Do we make the most of it? What do we do? Think of this. What is, what is one thing God's given everybody? The gospel message. What did we do with this message that we've received? Did we take it? Did we utilize it? Did we put it to work? Or were we a Christian that just sat on it and did nothing? We're going to give an account to how do we use what the Lord has put in our hand. Are you with me? What do we do? The Lord's given us the Holy Ghost. What have we done with the Holy Ghost that the Lord has placed on the inside of us? Have we retired him to a lazy boy? Have we wasted it? Are y'all with me? Hallelujah. Opportunity. Can you say opportunity? Take opportunity seriously. Y'all don't understand, because people don't get this. The reason I'm talking about it, Christians don't understand this. I was preaching in Idaho. It was small. It was a really small meeting. And I come out even nicer than this, actually, today. My shirt's not even tucked in. You know, and they look at me and they say, you understand where you're at? You know, you can just wear sandals and uh, some shorts. And, and I said, no. Well, why, you know, no, I said, you know why? Because I take this opportunity seriously. I take it just as serious as if, if, as if I was invited to preach to 100,000 people, 10,000 people. I don't take this any less serious. I spent time praying. I spent time fasting. I spent time seeking the Lord, pressing in, just like I'm giving it to you. I would give if there was three people in the room. Are y'all with me? Make the most of every opportunity. And the Lord said, if you're faithful in that way, even more will be given to you. Serve the church. 
Don't just be a once a week Christian. Make the most of the opportunity you've been placed in. Amen. Don't just be somebody that just wants to show up and hear a message and leave. Help us build the kingdom of God. This is an opportunity for you to participate in something, for you to be a part of something. Are you with me? I think about missed opportunity. I think about the people when they realized, you know, the the people in Nazareth that rejected Jesus and he did no miracles there. They didn't even know who it was standing in front of them. God in the flesh was right in front of them and they couldn't even see it and they missed an opportunity. Open your eyes, lift your eyes and see what the Lord has given you. Utilize it, do your best with it, commit to it, give yourself to it. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? If everybody in this church won one person to Christ a month, in one year, we would have like an 800-member church. Do you know that? Everybody did their part and just won one person a month. We would have an 800-member church. That'd be like one of the biggest churches, you know, if it got to a thousand, it'd be like one of the biggest churches in, in America statistically, definitely in Angelina County. Guys, I'm saying this. What are we doing with the opportunity the Lord has given us? Faith. Can you say faith? I also want to say this. Can the Lord trust us with his pearls? Jesus taught, don't cast your pearls to swine. Are we the swine sometimes? Are there things the Lord literally won't show us, won't give to us, because he can't trust us with it? The Lord doesn't give everything to everybody sometimes because it would hurt you. You know why some people aren't millionaires, even though God wants them to be? Because it would destroy their life. The second money got in their hand, they would, they would completely neglect the Lord, completely go in a different direction, completely become a different person. Can you be trusted with the treasures of heaven that the Lord wants to give you? Are you with me? Think about faith. What do I do? I'm going to give an account to Jesus. What do I do with what he gives me? Look at Romans 12.3. For I say through grace, the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Can you say measure of faith? The Bible says when you get saved, every single person receives a measure of faith. I want you to think about this. It's like everybody starts out at the same. When you get saved, God takes a cup of faith. He sips it, you know, he scrapes the top. It's one cup, and he dumps a cup of faith on every person. Everybody starts out with a measure of faith. What do you do with the measure of faith that's given to you? Do you know that you can grow and increase your faith? Do you know the Bible says faith in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are we still fighting battles that we were fighting a year ago? Are we still at the same level that we were a year ago? Is our life still in the same situation that we were a year ago? It's time. What are we doing with the faith the Lord has given to us? Can you say amen? Can I have everybody in the room? Sorry, I seem to take a couple more of y'all's moments. Um, I don't apologize. I just say that if, if it happened to offend any of you, I'm not, 
I'm not really worried about it. Going to go ahead and uh, pray. Father, I ask right now for the Holy Ghost. Fill every person in this room. Speak to every single person in this room. Hallelujah. Lord, let this year be the year that we run with purpose. That people get a fire in their belly. They get a fire under their booty. That we start moving, Lord. That we figure out what it is you've placed us on this earth to do. Father, I ask you to reveal it to those right now who are seeking that answer. That those who are asking that question, reveal it to them now. In Jesus' name, speak to their spirit. Let them see. Let their eyes be open to the opportunities that are right in front of them. Lord, there's steps that you've asked some in this church to make. They haven't made the step yet, and it's hindering the other door, the other side being opened up to them. And the Lord says, as you step, I will open another door. I will reveal to you further, but you cannot see until you step. Father, I ask for that grace right now. I ask for that strength right now. Lord, I thank you for testimonies coming back in the name of Jesus. Of people that, that hear the word of the Lord, that receive an assignment straight from heaven. And they know, if somebody asked them tomorrow, why are you here? They could tell them why they're here. They could tell them exactly why they're here and exactly what they're supposed to do. Lord, don't let another moment be wasted. I pray that we receive that as a church today in Jesus' name. If you receive that, can you say amen? amen. Just give the Lord a shout of, a a shout of praise. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.